I'm in a series that um, I'm excited about, and Savannah George is going to join us today. Can you give them a big hand to welcome Savannah with us, please? <laughs> I want, I'm glad you're standing. I want Savannah to stand. I want everybody to stand and join me today as I talk to you about something powerful. I was um, complaining to God one Sunday because it rained on Sunday. And you know, you, as a pastor, you just go, hey, look, God, you got Saturday, Monday. You got the whole week to let it rain. I don't know why you let it rain on Sunday. That means the people won't come out because it's, you know, storm. I mean, it's storming outside. And I never will forget the word that came to my heart. Do I cease being God because it rains? And then this thought came to me. I am the God of the rainy day. Come on, church. Come on. I'm the God of the rainy day. And ever since then, for years now, when it rained, I said, thank you, Jesus. He's the God of the rainy day. Say that with him, please. Come on. Say, he is, he is the God, the God of, the rainy day. of the rainy day. And this study today, though, I'm going to talk to you about how to manage your rainy day. And I want to ask you, you know me, one big question. The big question is, do you have a rainy day plan? Let's pray. Father, today we lift our hands and our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We bless this church, this bishop, his wife, leadership team. We bless Savannah today. We bless all those who are watching today, online, streaming, on demand, wherever you're seeing this. We speak God's word into your life. That when we're done today, you'll have a rainy day plan a clear sense of what to do when it rains. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. amen. Give God a big hand clap if you can. Come on, please. Praise God. You may be seated. I love the book of James, which is where we're going to begin. And if you don't know, we on your app, your church app, you can... The notes are sent to you automatically in your inbox, so you can go get that. But if you are the person who wants to go to my website, we have a website called rickytemple.com. And if you go to rickytemple.com, because I love you so much, I gave you your own page. And so you can click on Word of Faith Notes on that page. And all the sermons that I have done this year, the notes are there. So if you miss one, you can go back and get it. And if you buy the sermon here, you can then go get the notes there. It's pretty cool. And so feel free to go to rickytemple.com and you can pick that up. In our study, James chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. And this is an incredible chapter because James is a unique person. I don't know if you know it or not, but James was the half-brother of Jesus. This is somebody who grew up in the house with Jesus. Jesus was his big brother. 
It is believed that Joseph died and Jesus was left to oversee the family because when we get to Jesus at 30, Joseph's not even mentioned. And so the assumption is now Jesus, who's a carpenter, is the main provider of the family. And you feel that when he died because he looked over at John and said, take care, basically take care of my mama pretty much. There's this amazing moment when you step back and you look at James and you think about what's in his mind. This is somebody who knew the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that his brothers, when he first started out, didn't believe in him. So James is a convert. By the time you get to the book of Acts chapter 1, his brothers is in the upper room. Mama's in the upper room. Everybody's in the upper room. Now, if you can get your family to believe you somebody, you somebody. If anybody know you a crook, they ought to know. And so when you hear the words of James, you're hearing somebody who understands trouble. He's watched his older brother die. He's watched all of the things that transpired around him. He's seen all these things happen, and he has a perspective that's interesting. Sometimes people who have never had rain in their lives don't understand. And I know we wish we could have a life with no rain. I know that's a dream. No money problems. Don't you dream that? Plenty of money in the bank. But when you get money, you get problems. You got to pay taxes. You got to pay people. You want a big business, but you got payroll. Tell your neighbor, say, there's always some rain. Come on. And you get children. You got a lot of rain. I heard you out there. You helped me now. You help. That's right. Grandchildren. You know, you dream of having them. But you know, there's a little bit of rain. There's some rain that comes with grandchildren. There's, a, there's, a, there's an, an amazing process. I'm, I'm, a new, I'm new at this. Mine's just, just two. But she got authority. And sometimes she said, pop, pops. I said, who are you talking to? Me. And every now and then you have to work with her, negotiate, work it out. And so there, there are moments in life when you dream of something, marriage, job, career. I know a lot of pastors, they wanted to pastor and they thought there'd be no rain. When I first started, we had 45 people in the church and, and I had a great plan. I was fresh out of Bible college and I said, oh boy, we're going to grow now. I've got the word of God. I'm strong. I'm committed. And the first time I, I got there and Man, I said, by the summer, we're going to be growing. I didn't know in the summer you go down by 50%. <laughs> then they couldn't pay me enough. Rain. So I had to find a job. Everybody say rain. rain. I had to find another job because the church couldn't pay me. And they wouldn't pay me that much. I think it was $150 a week full time. I'm rolling. Say what you want. I had some money. I was dressed up broke. Come on, say amen. <laughs> you know, I had a few preaching engagements for a while, and it kind of held me out for a little bit and got me up there a little bit. And then, then the preaching engagements kind of dried up and go to a couple of churches to get $25. After a while, you said, I better get me a job. <laughs> so I had to go get some work, and I, 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 I couldn't find anything. I just graduated from college. So I, I, you know, I don't know about some people. Some people are funny about work. Me, 
when it starts raining, I don't mind. All I need is an umbrella. So I found me a stocking job. Umbrella for me was a job in a grocery store. And you know, when I was a kid, I used to bag groceries in my earlier days. And so I got a job stocking. And you know, I used to like those little guns. They used to look cute when you go bam, bam, bam and put the, but it's not when you got 5,000 cans, it's not as much fun. It's, the <laughs> fun just kind of goes out the door after a while. And then I did not know. Did you know you have to unload the truck? <laughs> I never heard such a thing. You got to, <laughs> I thought the cans disappear out there on the, you know, you just put them up. No, you got to track the trailer truck. And I used to have to get back there with it and unload that thing and put it all over. I said, oh, Jesus. Then, then, you know, I know they did me wrong. They put me on the dog food aisle. So here I am, saved, sanctified, college graduate, and a pastor, lifting dog food at three in the morning. Yes, Jesus. But that was my umbrella. That helped me get my down payment for my apartment. And then the church grew a little bit, and I was glad to leave. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I was. I didn't have to stay long, but I thank God. And, and God's been good to me. But I, along the way, have had rainy days. And learning how to manage the rain has been important for me. So let me give you some principles, some things that James teaches us about how to manage the rain. And the first thing he says in James chapter 1 is strange. The first thing he says in chapter 1 verse 2, my brethren counted all joy when you fall or find yourself in trials, or in our sermon today, when you find yourself in the rain. The first lesson that James teaches us is that you must learn how to see things. You see, most of the time, how you feel is tied to how you see things. It's all about vision. It, it, it's, it's simple, it's easy when you see things. Now, for me, uh, there are certain things I just don't see the way other people see them. I used to have a neighbor. He was a farmer. He's a pastor, though, but he was a farmer. Grew up out there on the farm, and so wild animals and snakes and stuff didn't bother him. And I knew that about him. And so one day I was riding down the street in my, in my car, and I saw a snake on our street. And I rolled over it, and I said, well, let me back up and kill him. And, he, you know, you can't kill him running over him. So I, I, I pulled up, and I said, I got to get the, He's a big old snake, too. I thought, well, he might get one of the kids or something. I said, well, I need to do something. I felt like it was my, my community duty to do something about this snake. And so I, um, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to get my neighbor to help me. I felt led of God to go call him. So I went and got him. And uh, we began to attack the snake, try to catch him or something. He's a big snake. I, I didn't want him to wander around the neighborhood. So I, I, I went and um, I, I kind of let him go first. <laughs> and the closer, and we were fine until the snake got up like this. And then I really felt the lead to get back. <laughs> but that, that country boy did not run from that snake. He wore him out. I said, hit him again. I was helping him. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was praying. I was praying him along. Everybody say rain. rain. That was more rain to me than to him. Some people can face a challenge and they fight back. 
some people face a challenge and they discover something about themselves. In the midst of rainy moments, you learn how you think. I learned something about me that night. I'm scared of snakes than he was. In that moment, I learned that I wasn't as courageous as I thought I was. And sometimes the rain teaches you that. It, it teaches you that somebody else can find joy in a difficult moment. But you will have a difficult time in those challenging moments. And that's why James says, here's what I want you to do. First of all, learn to see it differently. My perspective must change. Here's what the Message Bible says. I must see it as a gift that matures me. Same verse. The Message Bible says, when you come to a trial, this is a gift. Now go back in your mind and tell the truth for a minute. Some of the rainiest days in your life have taught you some of the best lessons. Some of the rainiest days in your life have made you stronger. There's some things you will never do. That when, you, when you have debt rain down on you and drown your finances for years and you swipe your way into trouble when you get free, you have a dance that nobody else can dance. And well, here's what happened to you. In that moment, your perspective changes. When you have certain challenges in your life, and believe it or not, those moments become a gift to you. But I've learned something about a lot of people when they're facing rainy moments. They tend to isolate themselves. It's a real trick of the enemy. When you are down, the first thing you should not do is isolate yourself. Listen to what James said we should do. He said in verse 5, and I just love this verse. If any of you in the midst of these seasons of trial lack wisdom, ask of God. Ask for help. That's the second thing you should do. Change the way you view it. Come on, say it with me, please. Change the way you view it. Number two, say, ask for help. You cannot always fix everything by yourself. It's so easy for you if you're not careful to think that you know. And what I love about this verse is he says, let me tell you how God views you. Now, be clear about this. The temptation is to think, when you're going through something difficult, life is raining down on you, that what God wants you to do is pull out a, pull out a solo umbrella, stand by yourself, and fix everything. That somehow God is impressed. But I want you to translate this into your own life. When your kids are going through their darkest moments, what do you want them to do? Pull out an umbrella and stand by themselves? Some parents are like that. But, but your heavenly father is not like that. Here's what he said. When you, when you come to that moment, ask of God. And here's what he says. Who has a policy to give you all you need liberally without, this is the big part here, without reproach or without laughing at you. God does not mock your ignorance. There are times you just don't know what to do about this rainy moment. You know, being a pastor, people think you just know stuff. You know, I don't know. The times people tell me problems, I pray, I'm praying while they're talking to me. They're crying and they're telling me what happened and they're giving me this story. And I, I just stand there and say, well, and then they, I start praying when they talk. I don't always know, but here's what I believe. If I ask God for help, 
If I'm really open for help, God will show me. Lift your hand with me, please. Say, I need help. Come on. Come on, say it again. Say, I need help. But you know what you know what makes us not get help is our pride. I, I don't have to have all the answers. And I, I don't know, I'm concerned about Christians because nowadays I think we think we know everything. Amen. We got all the politics down. We got all of everything settled. We have no points of confusion. We have a Bible and all knowledge. And I think what, what, what you learn about us is sometimes when the rain comes, God's trying to show you you don't know how to relate. You don't know how to forgive. You don't know how to get over things. You don't know how to get past things. You got stuff hanging on you from way back when. You still mad with your ex-husband? He's been married twice since you. Why are you still married? What in the world are you doing? At some point in your life, you have to, you have to say, I can't do this. So change your perspective. Ask for help. And here's the third thing you do. You ready? Learn how to respond. When stuff happens, when rain comes, how you respond to the rain is crucial. Look what he says in verse 19 of chapter 1. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. This is how you should respond. Be swift to listen. Don't be quick to give a response. Be quick to hear. Listen a little while. Slow down. Don't, don't go back and forth. Just listen. There's something about when you're in a relationship and it's raining in this relationship and everybody's mad. You know, you know what happens most of the time? Everybody's talking. If everybody just stopped talking for a minute and took turns, here's what I tell couples. When you're really mad with them, get a notepad out and let them tell you what they think about you and take notes I got a big mouth okay big mouth what else I spin everything I spin everything <laughs> but here's what tends to happen when they say something you say something and then I tell them to take the list and go pray about it you may not agree with everything on the list but there's something about being swift to hear listen to this now be, be, be swift to hear and slow to speak. And here's the third one. This is tough. Slow to wrath. When it starts raining, you get mad. And there's this incredible moment when James looks at all the believers and says, guys, listen, if you really want to win in your life, you're going to have to learn how to back up and stop and think and give the Lord a chance to show you another way to see everything around you. And when you do that, what happens to you is all the rain looks different. And then he said, what you do is you make a commitment. Make a commitment to do something. There's something about changing my attitude towards the rain and saying, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what it can do. I may not can do everything I want to do, but I'm going to do what I can do. And, and I believe that God guides us when we do that. And so there are many, many times in my life when I just have no clue, I have no, I have no idea what to do. But in, the, in those moments when I back away and I say, okay, God, I want you 
to show me what to do. Now, I want to take this whole thing and transpose it to another book in the Bible. I want to tell you a quick story about a guy that demonstrates all of this. His name is Daniel. Daniel was a guy who was minding his own business. And the rain came. And the rain came and it poured into his life in a way he never, ever imagined. Imagine somebody comes and they, they t- pick your whole family up and carry them hundreds of miles away. They take your iPad, they disconnect your cable, they take your car, and they change your name. They give your husband to somebody else, your wife to somebody else, your children to somebody else. That was the story of Daniel. Talk about rain. See, a lot of us take our freedoms for granted. Your definition of rain is not the same way some people around the world define rain. Some people's rain is they lose their freedom. So Daniel finds himself in captivity, in Babylon. And his name has been changed. He's, they gave them wives. You're going to marry her. That's your new woman. That's going to be the mother of your children. Now, how do you respond to that kind of reign? When you read the book of Daniel, it's fascinating because he doesn't respond the way you think he would respond. He's not quick to have an attitude. He's not quick to run at the problem. He's calm, determined, and focused. And he chose to look at it from a different perspective. Now, follow me for a second. This was a man who would never be free. This was a man who had to find a new way to see things because he was never going to have the life he had before. He would never see the family he saw before. He was never going to find a way out of this. This was a problem that was going to be with him for a long, long time. See, most of us don't mind a few minutes of rain. Oh, come on, talk to me, church. But we don't like long-term rain. See, I didn't mind God letting it rain for an hour or so. But I don't like permanent, long-term problems. But I want you to look at Daniel as an example of a man who learned how to take a bad season of rain in his life. And he learned to see it from another perspective. Now, let me tell you what God's going to do in his life. God's going to give him a chance if he's willing to step up and do something. See, in James, the text said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. James teaches us that in order for you to deal with the difficult seasons of your life, you've got to take an action. You've got to do something, even if you're at a disadvantage. See, you don't have to worry about you being at a disadvantage because God is your advantage. And so when Daniel comes to the season and he's facing this incredible challenge, what does he do? He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do and I'm not going to worry about what I can't do. One more time. I'm going to do what I can do and not worry about what I can't do. 
I'm going to drive what I can drive and not worry about what I can't drive. I'm going to live where I can live and not worry about where I can't live. I'm going to be with who I can be with, and if I can't be with, well, I won't be with them. <laughs> Some of you are worrying about what you can't drive, and you're sitting there drowning, crying over something that you can't have. There was a time I went down to the Mercedes-Benz lot. And you have to understand, I grew up riding the bus. I told you before, I was a bus person. We had a bus pass, that meant I was official. <laughs> we didn't have a car, I didn't have a car until I was 15. Now you think about that now, I was 15 years old when I got a car. My mama used to, my mama, she said that's our, that's our car. So when you ride the bus, you know how you gotta go by the schedule. Everything is about the schedule. And those evil bus drivers who see you coming and leave you, you have, you have no. No, I'm sorry. There's some in here. I know, I know, I know y'all never did that. I know. <laughs> but there, there's something that happens in you when, you when you you see a world you never saw before. I went to a Mercedes-Benz lot and I looked at the price. I never seen one up close. And I looked at the price. And I literally jumped back. No joke, I had never seen a price like that on a car. I thought, Jesus, who in the world <laughs> can afford this car? Good, good. You understand, for a bus person, it's a shocker. It was a big shock. I, literally, I jumped back. I said, oh, God, Jesus, oh, wow. And then I, every time I got a chance, I was stopping at the Mercedes-Benz lot, you know, go see. I'm going to go look again. And, every, and then I didn't jump back because I already knew what it was, you know what I'm saying? I got a little more comfortable. But I had to drive what I could drive, that I can drive something different. There's something, there's something about understanding that it's all about learning how to make what I have work. See, I'm not going to sit here and promise you like some preachers say, it's going to be your day. Today is your day. Now you're going to get it. I wasn't getting that car because I couldn't afford it. My job payroll said no. I've got to drive what I can drive. I have to hang in there with what I have. Daniel stayed focused. And here's what he said I can do. They gave Daniel a, a, a list of things to eat. Daniel said, well, I can't leave. I can't swim back home. <laughs> I'm here, but I can control what I eat. So he went to the guy and he said, hey, listen, can you just please uh, not, you know, all this is in Daniel chapter 1 and 2, if you want to look it up and read it for yourself. He said, no, well, just, just let me, let me um, eat what I'd like to eat, if you don't mind, and, and if you give me just a trial period, to see if it works and if I look as healthy as the other people because they wanted to, you know, fatten them up, make them look good. Because he was one of the smart guys. They, put, they made him one, one of the dignitaries. He was going to be one of the guys they trained for leadership. And so they, they, they had them on a special diet, a workout plan, an exercise plan, but he didn't want to eat the food day because that was against his faith and his beliefs. And so he did what he could. See, here's what I, I want you to understand. 
When your life is full of rain, stop dwelling on what you can't do. Start focusing on what you can do. And then God gave him favor. The food worked. Things went well. God blessed him. He ended up being promoted. His life ended up doing well because he changed his perspective. He went to the guy and asked him for help. Could you please? He, he was kind. He was respectful. He asked for help. And then he started doing what he could. His response to his season of rain was not violent. He wasn't angry. See, sometimes you are going through a difficult season in your life and your response to it is anger and frustration and you're quick to say things and you're quick to respond and you're blowing off on everybody. And, and, and people are saying, what's wrong with you? It's raining, can't you tell? You're going around and you're torturing your husband. You're torturing, you're just frustrated with everything. I can't stand this house. We need a new house. You can't afford a new house. <laughs> live where you can live until you can live where you want to live. Come on, say amen. 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 Take a look at a man whose life was full of rain by anybody's standards. But he was slow to wrath, slow to anger. You know, it's... it's it's, it's, it's possible that God has a bigger plan than you can see. It's possible that God has a way through this season of your life, this rainy season, but the problem is the way you're responding to it, the way you're reacting to the people around you. You may have a wicked man. He may be with you tonight. He may be smiling up in it, but he know he's wicked. He know he's wicked. He cuss all the time. He high all the time. He's sober just because he's coming to church. He'd be high tomorrow night. Friday night is coming. You know, eagle fly on Friday. You know, they're going to play on Saturday. You know, it's, oh, that's old. Y'all know about that. Remember that back? I mean, you, but, but <clears throat> he your wicked man. Let that soak in. That's who you got. And there's some wicked women. You're just as nice and safe looking, but oh, you just know how you can be. <laughs> Come on, say amen, ladies. <laughs> Learning how to respond to the rain issues in your life. Learning how to see them, learning what to say to them, learning how to react to them, learning how not to allow them to change you. I love Daniel as an example because he's the guy who did not allow the rain to change him. Here's the question, has it changed you? Has it made you another person? So here's the deal, you're mad with God and you pray this kind of prayer. Father. I bind the devil right now. I cast out all bills and problems in my life. You evil spirit of bills, I command you to come out of my life. I want a better job with more money, with somebody that will appreciate my wonderful spirit. <laughs> Give me a man, God, who's going to love me. I need a woman. This is your prayer. And if you do it, I'll be happy, Jesus, if you, if you, 
Everybody say rain. rain. See, I, here's what I believe. I, I believe that sometimes God uses the rain to show you you. You know, it's not that somebody cuss you good that you know, you know where you stand. You know, it's a good, I tell Christians, sometimes you just need somebody to let you have it like they have it. You know, just bam, 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 bam. And then you see how strong in the Lord you are, see? You don't know where you are until the rain comes. It, it, it's in those moments when he's left you with nothing. It's in those moments. It's in that moment. See, the rain, I have learned far more during the rainy seasons of my life than the vacation seasons. I changed my attitude. My approach has changed. And it's motivated me to become what I showed you in James, to become a doer, not just a hearer. See, one of the things that James says, it is so important. He said we must, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, we must become people who we must learn, we learn, how to learn how to see things, learn how to ask for help. We must become people who learn how to respond. We must become people who are quick to hear and slow to speak. And then in verse 22, we must learn how to become doers. I'm more of a doer of the word now, not just a hearer, because of the rain in my life. Physical rain, having pain in my back, motivates me to exercise. Having difficulty paying bills. When I got some cash again, oh, I was saved, sanctified, and clear. Something about the rain made me a doer. It motivated me. And, and I really believe that, switching back to Daniel's life, what really shows me how close to God he was, was because when all this rain came in his life, he kept doing the right thing. See, you're not doing the wrong thing because of the rain. The rain is showing you that the wrong thing is in you. The rain just reveals it. They didn't make you curse them out. No, no, no. It was already on the surface. It just needed a little bit of push. All they had to say was your mama. There you go. Bam. That's it. Came right out. That's all. Didn't need much help. And James warned us, James, James warned us, he said, you know, you got to be careful that you lay aside in verse 21, James chapter 1, all filthiness and wickedness. And the word wickedness is garbage. What's interesting is, he said, there's something about difficult times that bring all that up, and, and you really want to learn from those moments. I wish, I wish I could say, that because I'm, I came up and I prayed a prayer and I went to church and I said a couple of spiritual things and spun around and danced at the altar that it got all the garbage out of me, but it didn't. The rain showed me. The moments when I was frustrated showed me that I was not near where I was. Back to Daniel's story, imagine what you would do if somebody took all your freedoms. Imagine what you would do if somebody said you marrying this person. Imagine if you lost all of your money, all of your freedom, all of your life. How godly would you be? But when you look at Daniel's story and you, you see this incredible guy who's in the midst of one of the most difficult seasons of his life. He's a young man that's lost all of his freedoms, but he's on his knees praying. 
He's, he's got three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You heard of those guys, right? Four guys who have a partnership of godliness. And even though it's raining in all of their lives, they're committed to living holy lives. Maybe you should pause and say, okay, God, so, so what have I learned from my rain these seasons? What have I learned about myself? I've learned a lot about me. I've learned I wasn't patient. I've learned I wasn't forgiving. I've learned that I wasn't nonviolent. I learned that pushed out my fight. I, 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 thought, I thought I was together, but marriage kind of really helps you see all those things. I, I would tell Diane things about me, and, and she would um, smile. That's when you know she don't believe you. <laughs> Give all this counsel. Tell people, here's what you ought to do in that difficult situation. The Bible says, not blah, blah, the Bible says. I'd had all my little Bible verses, and Diane said, ooh, that was good. But that's not what you do. <laughs> I said, what you talking about, girl? What you mean? I praise Jesus. I know I'm forgiving. She said, no, you're vengeful. She said, you're vengeful, boy. She said, let me tell you something. You better be glad you saved and you know Jesus. And you, know, you don't know that about yourself. You don't know until your children talk back to you after you done paid for their college and paid for all these and fed these people. And they say certain things to you. I mean, the devil will come at you. You know what I'm saying? Things are just. You didn't know it was in there. It come out. Teenagers to help it come out. Bam. And just show up. Just the other day. Tell the story. It's a true story. Just, don't tell anybody this either. But just the other day. <laughs> I was in a meeting. And it was a business spiritual meeting. It was in the church. I was in the church. You know, staff. I'm, talking about Christian stuff. And you know what happened? I, I better sit down when I tell y'all this. This is, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to sit here right here on, on the altar. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. I was sitting there talking in the meeting, and, I, and all of a sudden, I ran out of Jesus. <laughs> it's the truth. I said I ran out of Jesus. I ran out of Jesus. I was, <laughs> I was the truth. I was sitting there, I'm not making this up, I was sitting there, and I felt like I ran out of Jesus. So I, I stopped the meeting, I said, excuse me, y'all, I'm, I'm, run, I'm run out of Jesus. I, <laughs> I said, I ain't got no more, I'm done, I'm out, I'm out of Jesus right now. I'm gonna go home and get some more, I'll be back. So what I did, this is the truth, it was, I felt rain, everything, it was pouring down on me, and, 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 and they just looked at me like, you what, you say? I said, I'm out of Jesus. I ain't got no more. So, I, so then here's what they told me. So I was supposed to do a taping, you know, one of the, you know, video tapings, you know. Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. The Bible says I was supposed to do one of those things, you know, TV crew waiting. So I went in there and told him, I said, hey, guys, I can't do the taping. I'm out of Jesus. So I'll be back. I said, we're supposed to tape two days. I said, we're going to tape one now because I got to go home and get some Jesus. So here's what I did. I went home. I got, I got so mad. I just got mad. I got so, I was out of control. I didn't, I didn't offend anybody, but I knew I was on empty. Anybody been there? Yeah. I was on zero. I, I went from whatever I had to zero fast. So I went home. My wife looked at me and she said, okay. I never heard you say that. So, so I went home. 
I went in my little guest room. I didn't even go in my bedroom. I went in my guest room. I laid down. I said, Father, I need some Jesus. And I went to sleep. <laughs> I did. I went to sleep. I went to sleep. And, and then people tried to call me. I said, I can't talk. I ain't got no Jesus. I can't talk. I hang up the phone. I didn't talk to anybody. I ran out. I was zero. <laughs> and then I did, you know what I did next? I went into the refrigerator. I had some food. I heated it up. And I was dancing by myself. And I was just praising. Oh, yeah. I was and Jesus started coming back. I felt good. I felt, I felt, I felt it. I, I was delivered. I was saved again. I was revived again. I went back to work. I went to the grocery store, you know. See, you got your little things you like to do. I like to buy fruit, see. So I went and bought me some oranges, some, some, some tangerines, and a couple. I just shopping in the store, getting some Jesus. I put, I, by the time I finished getting my fruit and my little snap and my little dance around the house, and I watched a movie that made no sense, I had a whole bunch of Jesus. I was ready to go the next day. Now, I don't care what you think about that. It worked for me. It was raining on me, and I had to admit it. Here's what, here's what I think you're not doing, admitting it. You're blaming everybody else, but it's you. You think everybody else done you wrong, but it's the way you see things. And you're quick to speak, slow to hear, and quick to rap. See, I don't believe that all those jobs you've been on, everybody was crazy. Every job you've been on, you say, these are crazy people, I'm quitting. Next job, these are more crazy people, I'm quitting. Everybody can't be crazy. Now, I want you to do this. I, here's my little drill. You ready? Get your hands. Put your hands straight. Hand drill. Come on. Work with the preacher. Come on. Hands, hands. Now, tilt it. Say, I'm off. There you go. That's what you ought to say. I am off today. It is raining on me and I cannot see. And here's, here's what you start doing. The last thing James says, you start grumbling. See, if you're taking notes, right? Number one, okay? We should learn how to see things. You got to learn how to see things. Second thing in the notes, it says we should learn to ask for help. I'm frustrated, don't know what's going on with me. I don't know why the rain revealed something to me about myself that I didn't know existed. I didn't know I can get that angry. I can get that mad. I didn't know I can hold a grudge that long. I didn't know. I didn't know that about me. I didn't know that I could end up for some reason just falling for somebody that I don't even know what in the world am I doing. You need to go say, I need some help because I'm thinking crazy. We should learn how to respond. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. That is my motto. Cool, calm, and collected. All C's on deck. Because sometimes I see myself rising. Number four, we should learn what to, what to lay aside. Sometimes, I love this, verse 21 says, lay aside filthiness and wickedness. I can't let this stay with me. The rain has revealed it to me. I see how I feel, but I can't let these feelings stay with me. And then, Number five, I, I need to learn the value of doing something. I can't just complain about the rain. I got to do something. I, I, I got to do what I can do. I mean, I can do all I want to do, but I got to do what I can do. And then number six, I've got to be patient. 
You know, I didn't read this to you, but I'm going to go back and read this. James chapter, chapter 5, verse 7 says it this way. He says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. I've got to learn how to wait. I've got to learn how to plant a seed. I've got to learn how to work toward a goal. I've got to learn that just because I want it to be one way, it may take a year, it may take two years. You know, in the Bible, it, it, we, we have this incredible view. We live in an instant coffee society. And if it's not instant, we then do the seventh thing on the list, we grumble. So we, we feel like, well, God, you know, you need to kind of give it to me now because I asked for it now. But you know, Abraham waited 25 years to have a child. Somebody said, that's the devil. Now I ain't waiting that long, Pastor Rick. That's too much rain. That's a flood. But older people will tell you that. You're in too big of a hurry. You're in too big of a hurry to get all the rain to go away. You're too big of a hurry to fix everything. You're too big of a hurry to get out of debt. I want you out of debt, but it may take you a minute. It may take you a minute to fix your marriage. It may take you a few counseling sessions. It may take you a little bit to get your body where you want it to be. It may take you a few more walks. You can't go out there and exercise one day and say, okay, that's it. It may take you a year or two. It may take you a while. It may, it, there's something about understanding that we have become a generation that doesn't want to wait for anything. We want to pray for the rain to stop right now. You want me to have some miracle service, call you down front, tell you to bring some money and put it on the altar and all your problems are going to be fixed. Man, I wish I could fix it like that. That'd be wonderful. But that's not true. That's just not how it works. There's something about the process of patience, working my way through the challenging seasons of my life and embracing the reality that it's not going to always be instant. But what we tend to do is the last thing on the list, we grumble. And here's what he says. He says, do not grumble, James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brother one. What are you grumbling about? What, are you, what, is, what is this constant barrage of grumbling? You know, I, I just, I, I, I find myself saying, is every conversation to God a complaint? Is every conversation with those people in my life a complaint? Is all, is all the people that work for me, is my job, do I always start, hey, let me tell you what's wrong with this organization? Is that how people, when they see me, you know, people, let me tell you, the brain is pretty powerful. If you grumble, when, when I see you, there was a guy, I, I said this to a guy one time, and my, he came up to me and he kept saying stuff that he didn't like, and I said, do you, and I asked him a question, I said, do you want me to like you? You know, after church, he come up and says, oh, I want to talk to you. Oh, I hate all the deep stuff. I want to talk to you. The Lord show me some stuff. Says, oh, I can't stand it. Anyway, so, you know, I, I really can't. It just makes me, it just bugs me. Ugh. Anyway, and so, you know, you know anyway, so, so I, I said to him, I said, do you want me to like you? He, he, he looked stunned. Like, what do you mean? You're not supposed to ask me that. I said, well, look, here's the problem. My brain, the way it works, if you come up to me every time, 
I see you and you complain, my brain without my control will say, here comes the complainer. You know, you ever have people borrow your money and every time you see them, they want to borrow some money? What does your brain say? Run. <laughs> Doesn't it? Your brain. So, so here's what you do. If you're not careful, you will become the kind of person that people run from. You won't be able to build friendships. Amen. You won't be able to build loyalty to you. You'll be, if you're not careful, when your rainy day comes, you rain on everybody around you. Everybody has to always comfort you. Why? If you're so saved, tell me why. You know, I, some Christian music just makes me tired. It's always, hold on. I'm, I'm not that sad. My life is not that bad. There, there's something about being the kind of person who knows how to manage the rain. And when you know how to manage the range, you change. And there's a question that I want to deal with. What will it take to change you? What will it take to get you to change your mind and to change your approach? Did you learn something today? Stand up on your feet. I declare that your hand is upon us. I declare that you have a plan for us. And I declare in Jesus' name that you have a plan that only you, only you can put into our lives. But you've got to change the way we see the rain. And there are specific things that will change in our lives if we will open our hearts and allow you to give us a new perspective. Now I want you to lift those hands up high. Both here, Savannah, everywhere, lift those hands up high. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare your word up over the lives of your people today. When they leave this place, they will leave this place inspired, changed, lifted. They will not be the same. They may have rain, but they'll pull out their umbrellas and be patient. And God, their, their, their view of themselves will change. They won't be the grumbling kind of people, murmuring kind of people, sad kind of people, blaming God, blaming people. They just will say, you know what? I'll do what I can do with what I have until I can do something else. I'll embrace my life and embrace my future with confidence and faith. And I will not allow myself to be depressed. And so, Father, whether they be here today or whether they be in Savannah, wherever they be, we speak over them and declare in Jesus' name that this is a day that they will leave this place and they will never, ever be the same.